this week, Music Biz Weekly podcast, you've got a release coming up. Do you have a strategy for singles before the release drops? Do you have a strategy for singles after the release drops? That's what we talk about this week on the Music Biz Weekly podcast. Welcome to the Music Biz Weekly podcast, founded in 2011 and with over 500 weekly episodes, where Michael Brandvold and Jay Gilbert, two longtime music industry pros, discuss the very latest trends, tools, and tactics that you Build need. Build a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. Go to Bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly podcast. You got Mike, you got Jay. We uh, took a week off last week. Work has a tendency. Travel, work, you know, clients, uh, all that important stuff. But we're back. We've got a great episode this week with a guest where we're going to talk all about um, release strategies, pre-release, post-release strategies. What? Um, <laughs> what? Post-release? You mean I've got to... Is that a thing? I've got to have, strat- have a strategy after I release the album? What? Yes. You know, here's a funny thing, and I need to dig this article up. I actually wrote an article years ago about what's your marketing strategy when you have no release? When you're not touring... When it's downtime, when yeah. you're between albums, between tours, whatever, guess what? You still need a marketing strategy when you're not doing anything. We might want to make that our next episode. Or we we, we could we could we yeah. could yeah we could dig that up and bring that back to life because yeah. boy it's talk still, talk yeah. talk about where everybody completely forgets their marketing. Mm-hmm. It's like oh yeah, I'm on vacation. No, nah, you might be really? on vacation, but you still got a market. Yeah, you you're you're still a product you're still a band That's um right. but anyway so before we get into this week's interview quick shout out thank you to bruce and everybody at hypebot and bands in town your support means so much to us and of course to our sponsors bandzoogle.com bandzoogle makes it so easy to build a stunning website and epk epk for your music in just minutes All the features you need are already built in, including dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music, merch, and tickets commission-free, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, integrations with Bandcamp, SoundCloud, YouTube, Bands in Town, and many more, so you can easily add content from your other online profiles. And of course, Bandzoogle has amazing live tech support seven days a week from their musician-friendly team. That means you're talking to tech support who understands music, artists, releases. You're not talking to a tech support person in some other country who's supporting a million different kinds of websites. Bandzoogle understands musicians. Plans at Bandzoogle start at just $8.29 a month, and that includes hosting of your website and your own free custom domain name. Music Biz Weekly podcast listeners, head over to bandzoogle.com, sign up, try it for free for 30 days. And when you sign up, make sure you use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY. That's all one word, MUSICBIZWEEKLY. And you'll get 15% off the first year of any subscription. And of course, thank you so much to DiscMakers.com. As we know, vinyl's been mostly a label product up to now. 
because of high prices and tight supply, meaning the long lead times it could take to create that vinyl if you don't know what you're doing when it comes to producing vinyl. Um, it, and, that, and that has a tendency to keep the independent artists largely on the sidelines, yet artists want and should be selling vinyl. Vinyl is a huge collectible product. Your fans may not actually listen to the vinyl, but they're buying it. They can attest to it. I've got racks of vinyl over here. Still have the shrink wrap on because I just wanted to buy the vinyl, but I don't listen to it. I still listen to it online. But again, why aren't artists doing it? Price and turnaround times. Most artists don't know how many records they'll sell, and they sure don't want to end up with a garage filled with 2,000 vinyl albums 10 years from now that have no value to them up until this week a hundred records at disc makers would cost you nineteen hundred and ninety dollars to press and that's a lot of money especially when you compare it to the cost to produce a hundred cds which are only 149 bucks at disc makers so disc makers have decided to rip the band-aid off and they've launched their entry-level vinyl strategy with an offer of 100 vinyl records for just $1,299. They're bringing the market for vinyl to indie artists. They, they're making it affordable. Reach out to discmakers.com and place your order for 100 vinyl records for $1,299. Jay, who's our guest this week? Today, we're talking to our friend Anthony Pacheco from uh, Oddly Simple. Um, he's a music marketing consultant, and it's a, a fun conversation. It's fun. Everybody should listen to this. It's about release strategies, pre-release, post-release, and some interesting tips are, are revealed here as well. Absolutely. So listen to the end, and we'll see you when it's done. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow and rate us on Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate it. Today we are joined by Anthony Pacheco, music marketing consultant, uh, for his uh, encore visit. Good to see you, Anthony. How are you, man? Doing great. How about you guys? Good, good, good. Great, great. Welcome back. Welcome back. I've yeah, been enjoying be your uh, your emails uh, that you send out. Any discussion about music marketing is something that's going to perk up our ears. Uh, Talk a little bit about, you had a, a release planner uh, that you had recently that you put out. And I, I find those things really helpful, especially for DIY artists, because you don't want to drop the ball on anything, but, you know, sort of where, where do you start? How did that come together? Yeah. So the release planner I released, it's a Notion template, which is super hot in like the creator economy. If you're not familiar with what Notion is, it's kind of Google Docs meets Google Sheets all in one. It's It's pretty cool. If you're not open to trying out Notion, you can still export it as a PDF and use it as like a general like checklist. But the release planner actually came about because a lot of the consoles that I was getting on were just very, I don't want to call them basic because they might be basic to us, but they're like, you know, advanced questions to other people. Like, what do I need before I actually release my music? How do I claim my DSP analytic profiles, right? Like, did you know that you can do that for Amazon Music now, like that's a recent thing that not a lot of artists know. So it just came about just getting a bunch of emails and inquiries about how to effectively release music. And by no means do I have a huge catalog under my belt, but I've been in four different bands that never really went anywhere. My fifth and final band that was like my last hoorah, I did so much research on how to like effectively release music. 
fast forward to when we released our first album because of the strategy, the attention to detail, we actually ended up charting Billboard with our debut album because of the nice. strategies that I implemented. And this release planner is also like a culmination of, of that uh, effort, which is really, really cool. Anthony, what when when looking at a release planner, what in your experience are two or three of the most commonly forgotten things that people seem to ignore or don't realize, you know, they, they need to think about. Yeah. Especially now in the modern music industry, I like to refer to it as with TikTok and the whole like lottery system that we see a lot of the major labels kind of implement is that a lot of people forget that the songs come out and you still have to market them after the songs come out. And to provide more context around that, you go on TikTok, you look up hashtag singer songwriter and you filter, you know, the posts that came out in like the last seven days. I would guarantee you nine out of 10 of the posts on there are people promoting their song that's about to come out, not really the song that is out already or that has been out for a while. The thing with the majors is that they're really trying to focus on pre-release marketing and if on day one it doesn't do that well or first week streams aren't as great as the previous release, right? If it like does exponentially worse or it kind of flatlines, bam, on to the next one. Start teasing more music. It's just like a rinse and repeat cycle, which, you know, everyone has their own perspective on like what works or what the right way to market your music is. But I think especially now, independent artists and aspiring artists really follow suit on what the majors do, whether it's right or wrong. And they see that they see their favorite artists pumping out songs monthly, and they'd never talk about the song unless it was a TikTok trend or unless it got a bunch of creates under the sound, for example, they refer to it as. And I think post-release marketing or catalog centric marketing is still very powerful. And it's a super underutilized effort that I try to spend a lot of time talking about with artists. It's no different than like Apple. I always use that as a prime example. They arguably release one product a year, right? The iPhone. We'll, we'll forget about the MacBooks for a little bit and whatnot, but let's just say the iPhone. They release that one iPhone. Maybe there's like a submodel or whatever, but they're constantly marketing it year round with different mediums, different formats. And I think that should be the same concept that musicians adopt into like, even though it's old to you, it's going to be new to me and thousands of other people. doesn't matter. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. People forget that most of the music business is catalog. It's like almost 75% putting aside that 18 month or older. And is that really catalog or is it recent music? But I mm -hmm. think you're absolutely right. That's the music that's really being listened to um, because you can't keep up with all of it. There's so much going on, which leads me to a question like, you can't use the same marketing plan for every single artist because of, you know, genre, mood, seasonality, whatever this, the, you know, what level artists they are. So you're really building a unique pro, uh, marketing plan for every release that you're doing. How do you go about with, with what you do? Um, what are some things that are working? I mean, is it all short form video? Is it all targeted online advertising? I mean, what are what are some tools and tactics that you like to use? Yeah, a combination of both. And to provide context around like what I do specifically with my company, Simple, we do both paid and organic marketing services. We offer that to different artists. And I want to say it's kind of 70-30 right now. 70% of what we do is digital ads. The, the rest is the organic content marketing plans. And 
again, just going back to the whole, like the way things work now versus, you know, even three, four years ago, it's not that long ago, but it seems like a lifetime ago, the focus on short form content is still there. And for example, like with one of our recent clients called the funeral portrait, who signed to better noise, um, the, the rock label, they are really focused on kind of building a world and a brand around their music. So mm -hmm. they have like the whole, you know, they all wear the same outfits like at every show. So it's like a very, like, if you're familiar with like my chemical romance or ghost or motionless and why it's kind of that kind of vibe or kiss, you know, they have the same look and feel like there's a brand built behind it. And they're really into doing that and kind of portraying that not only at their live shows, but also with their organic content marketing. And what we do is that when we first started working together, we told them like, Hey, like ads are not a replacement for your organic content marketing, right? Cause there's no point in spending thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars and driving a bunch of traffic to your social profiles. And you're not going to be posting on your actual social media profiles. So it's a happy medium between the two. You can still succeed with just organic content marketing. You can't really succeed with just paid ads and no organic content marketing because they work well enough together and even with like my role right i do paid ads i still tell people like hey organic content marketing paid ads like if you're not posting content we're not really going to be able to do that good of a job for one so let's fix that right that's where we kind of introduce the whole strategy behind coming up with different tactics on how they can kind of streamline their content creation process and i'm actually working on a on a resource and how artists can do that we can kind of talk about it kind of give you guys a first look at what that strategy is that i've been putting into like a document of sorts or like a free resource that people can check out. But yeah, like sure. it, it's power. Anthony, I want to go back real quick. You, you talked about, you know, marketing of the tracks before an album comes out, which is, is critical. Um, you know, and I tend to see, you know, most artists might think of one song before the album drops, the, the, the better, more well-organized might go two or three songs in advance before the, the full release drops. But what about after the album, the EP, the release drops? I tend to see a lot of clients at that point in time are like, okay, now I'm only thinking about marketing the full release. It's I'm no longer focused on songs. Those first three singles, we marketed the hell out of them led up to the album release. Now the album's out. I'm pumping the album, the album, the album. But in my experience, you could like in your first week, first couple weeks, go look at your Spotify stats and see what other songs are being played off that new release that aren't the first three singles. And your fans might tell you just by what they're playing, what track you should maybe be focusing on post album release like oh my god track number eight buried deep nobody ever thought to make that the single but that's getting a crap load of streams and how because you're not marketing that track so the fans in sense are just naturally gravitating towards that they like that it's a good sounding right. track to them so what what's your thoughts on post album release of single marketing yeah so post album and this is like directly from the pre-release planner uh, i have a couple of like things that artists should really focus on which promoting their back catalog 
of which, like you said, like maybe there's track eight through 10 that's like really buried in there. And it, you know, the fans are really responding well to it. And I experienced that firsthand with my own band when we've really started first album, track 10, an acoustic track. And we're a very, you know, we're a progressive rock band. And that's actually, I think, still to date, I haven't checked in a very long time, but I think to date, that's like the second most streamed song on their top songs on Spotify. And it's an acoustic song. And this is a rock band we're talking about, right? Like, you know, distorted guitars, the whole shebang. And that just goes to like, you know, it kind of reiterates like the the point that you said, like maybe like there's a song that your fans are telling you like, hey, you should put more attention to um, in the forward facing content or in the online realm. And my rule of thumb or like my best practice again is like, it's, let's say it's a 10 track album. Like if you post about each song every day, like that's 10 days worth of content that you have there. And I like what you said about like how artists always, you know, they immediately shift like from going like, Hey, like this song is about depression or this song is about, you know, breaking up. And then once the album comes out, Hey guys, our album is out now, go stream it. You know, it's very one-sided versus yep. like, hey, here's the value that I'm providing to you with the song about something that I experienced. And that's all that marketing truly is, is just like, it's just psychology, right? Like tapping into people's emotions. And the reason people listen to, th- to songs is because they feel something, whether it's the instruments, whether it's the lyrics, something that they can relate to. So I think artists are just like overcomplicating it. And then they get into this mode of like, I got to promote the album. Like, that's all I have to do. And, uh, you know, it's just a mind mind mindset shift in my opinion it, it it really is a mindset shift it's also you know we we all three of us you know we love data data is very important it 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 can tell you what works and what doesn't work and mm. to some extent um data is also very scary for the diy artists because there's so much of it out there and it's so overwhelming i mean listen you go log into your spotify for artists back end and, you know, there's, it's sliced and diced a million different ways. And that's not a bad thing, but it can scare people away because it's so overwhelming that I almost feel like just look at some of the basics. Just look at what are the most streamed tracks off your newest release and understand which tracks did you actually put focus on to market. That would explain why they might be the most popular. But those seven other tracks, you never mentioned them. You've never put a video out. You've never done a marketing campaign behind them. So again, that's that's real data. That's that's really your fans saying, these are the songs we like. And I think what an artist really needs to understand is without asking, your fans will tell you what they like, where they're gravitating mm. towards and and the data can help you focus on what that is. You can pinpoint those tracks. I mean, conversely, you might sit here and go as a band, we want to go to track number six, and you look at your stats and go, crap, that's the worst stream song out there. Nobody's ever played that. Maybe let the data steer you to a different track then. No, yeah, I couldn't have said it better. And I think it's just like a you know, the artist versus the business business person that, that everyone has in like their brain when, you know, they're, they're creatives. And it's like that, that feeling of like, oh, I put so much effort into this song. Like I want people to listen to this song. And it, it's kind of hard understanding that, especially when you're, when you're new to, to releasing music and just don't really know much about marketing and that's okay. It's just a matter of having like an open mind on, 
like you said, like allowing your fans to kind of show you the way, because that's literally how it works, whether it's your social media posts, your songs, or like the direction you should take your sound, like your fans are telling you what they want. It's just up to you to, you know, leverage the data in a way that makes sense to you and use it to make good business decisions. And again, it's just a matter of like seeing your music as a business versus just like, hey, I'm just putting music and seeing what happens. I think you're right. I think they're telling you if you're listening, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's they're telling you. You, you got it. They're they're always telling you whether it's whether it's formal data in the back end of Spotify or whether it's just what comments are their comments? On your what are their comments yeah. on the video on Facebook? They're telling you something if you stop and and take a moment to really kind of pay attention and go, wow, wait a second, that's not the first fan that made that comment about wanting purple t-shirt this is the third time i've seen that okay you know that's me i would sit here and go that's a flag let's investigate is there more interest in that you would have maybe never thought of it on your own but you listen to them that's right and one of those things that's really interesting is that my friends that are really deep into social media and do it for a living they all sort of have the same mantra and that is it's not about barking out at people, buy my album, see my show, buy my album, see my show. It's having a relationship and having a dialogue and really something a little deeper than just being a salesman. Is that sort of what you find, Anthony? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just a weird one of like, just separating yourself from the art sometimes and really just giving into what people want. And it's it's just a hard thing to like grasp. And I was like trying to think of um, like in, in like software as a service, like software companies in tech, there's something called like product led growth to where you kind of let like your users dictate what features you should focus on or like what new things you should implement into your software. And I don't know if there's a proper term for music, but you know, fan led growth or something, you know, like community based, you know, community led growth or I don't know. You I love it. Yeah. Point a term that way, but basically just letting your fans steer the ship and most successful software as a service companies have implemented that into their brains, like Slack, Zoom, for example. Yeah. 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 You really, in any business, you really have to, you don't necessarily let your customer or your fans tell you everything you're going to do, but you sure have to listen to what they're saying. Um, and, be open to taking cues from them because you, and, and again, you kind of, you kind of mentioned it as an artist, it might be very tough. You put all your creative juices and energy into this one song. And that's the one that you want people to love. And if the people don't love it, that can kind of be a blow, a big blow, but they love something else. So let's get behind what they do love. No, yeah, it's, it's a constant struggle of like, just wanting to to please your fans in a way, but also just kind of please yourself. And I, I feel like, I don't know, just when, when you're a musician and you're releasing music, it's kind of very like, it, it like feeds the ego. You know what I mean? Like a bunch of people mm, like, sure. you know, are commenting, you, you get that adrenaline rush of like seeing like your views counter crack a thousand, you know, for the first time in like three weeks. But, you know, you, to, to sustain that, which again, it, it's just like a mindset. Like a lot of artists are very much so in like, I want to be hot right now. Like I want to be an in the moment artist and they don't really want to take the journey of being like a self-sustaining artist in the long run, you know, and I get it. Not everyone knows what's in store for them in the future, 
you know, time goes by quickly, but at the same time, like we don't know what's, what's ahead of us. Right. But kind of thinking long-term, like, okay, I know I'm only getting 200 views per video that I post. This one got a thousand, but it's, you know, about a song that I don't really like. I'm not going to post about that song anymore. You kind of yeah. have to suck it up at that point and do what worked and artists don't want to play the game, unfortunately, but yeah, that, that's on them. It makes me, it reminds me of that, uh, that line about I'd rather have a thousand engaged fans than a million unengaged uh, fans. How do you capture fans uh, and how do you, you know, control that relationship? There's a lot of different tools, especially now. And it's just so crazy. Like, for example, like going back to like the release planner or like capturing first party data, like these tools weren't accessible or like, like the barrier to getting these was like so high like the entry to or whatever i don't know how to put into words but like the tools and resources are out there like they're spelling it out for you it's it's insane um when i first started playing music i didn't even know what a you know what a pre-order was i thought that when you go to distribute stuff on TuneCore, they pick the release date for you and you'd have no control over it like now i know better but it's just yeah. crazy how everything is spelled out for you but anyway um capturing fans there's just so many different tools right uh the ones that i have on constant rotation are feature fm smart noise and lalo and i think they all fit very different buckets as far as like what your goals are and it it's like you you have the tools right but then there's like the okay like how do i get people to sign up for like what's the point and you know i always like to use the the analogy of like twitch streamers like people who play video games and live stream them on twitch like there are hundreds of people playing fortnite but the reason why people subscribe or go and view a particular streamer is because of their personality, what they stand for, the content that they're putting out. 100%. And then they eventually build a relationship with these streamers and they want to support them, whether it's in a monetary sense or tuning into their you know, live streams or commenting on their content. So really focusing on, on building a community and that that's actually you know part of the, the release planner as well. And the the way to really do that is, again, just understanding your fans. And uh, again, a lot of music marketing tactics are what what I found now, especially since I have a software as a service, is, is what a lot of software companies do, like identifying their ideal customer profile, right? Like their ideal, you know, fan profile mm-hmm. and just really figuring out who they are, right? Like if you're writing music about, you know, getting dumped or music about finding the light through the darkness or whatever, like those are all heavy things that people understand and might relate to, you know, using like, like, like you said, like using your Spotify for artist data to really understand the age range that your fans are in. Like it's a lot of Gen Z, you know, people like lean into the lingo that Gen Z is talking, like is saying, you know, and really lean into like depression and anxiety, like those key buzzy words that really capture their attention and just really be, you know, posting content for one and then two, driving those people to take the next step, which is like formally, you know, getting on your email list or SMS list or whatever. And yeah, it's, it's tough for sure. And it's a big ask asking someone to give you their phone number and their email, but that's where like the work gets put in to get that eventually, you know, like you're not entitled to getting someone's pre-save. You're not entitled to getting someone's phone number. Like you have to put the work in and that's by establishing a relationship with your fans. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I think it's, I think the, the, the biggest, the biggest takeaway for me is 
your marketing doesn't stop when the album release date hits. I think too many people put all their eggs into marketing in advance of that release. And then when, when it's out, then they kind of go into posting mode. It's like, okay, let's play some shows. Let's make some posts. Let's, but you know, the life of your release, in my opinion, is going to be directly correlated to how long you feel like making an effort to market and promote it. I mean, if you pull the plug on your marketing week one after release, yeah, you're going to have a, you know, you're going to have a three month release cycle and that's it. You're, you're in and out and you're done. But if you can keep trying to come up, I mean, again, you might have 10 songs on that album. That's, that's 10 potentially different opportunities to put together a marketing strategy. And maybe you used up two or three of them beforehand. That gives you plenty of them after. And I think people just need to realize you the real work starts when the release hits. It's not in advance. It's when that release drops. That's when the real work starts if you want to keep some life to it. No, yeah, agreed. And it's a it's a double-edged sword for sure, uh, especially in like the the pop singer songwriter world. Um, I will admit that it is a lot more difficult to get a song moving once it's out. And what I mean by moving is by like a bunch of people creating content using the sound, right? Like pre-release, like the, the way the cycle works is like the artist teases a song. A lot of the video goes semi-viral. People start using the sound. The artist continues posting, you know, about the song, like the teaser, more people start using the video the song comes out and then it does what it does and then bam rinse and repeat the whole same cycle yep. it's that's what works in pop and in the singer songwriter indie artist world right now with like rock alternative metal it, it's like it it takes longer to write that style of music and what i mean by that is like people always downplay like pop music like ah oh, it's just you know person's just gonna go in and sing the instrumental bam we're done right and they can pump out songs like No Tomorrow. Same thing with rappers. They're just mumbling into the microphone, whatever. I get that. It does take longer to write a metal or rock song, whatever. Let's stop using that as an excuse to stop marking your music to get into writing and studio mode. Like I've worked directly with major label artists. Like they are working day over day, cutting songs, different tracks, right? They're working with different writers, different producers, like they're it's not just as simple as like, okay, here's an instrumental. Let me sing it. They they do spend a lot of time, you know, writing different songs. And um, it, it's just that that just goes to say, like, when it comes to like promoting your song, like once it's out, like you're right. Like if you pull the plug after it's out, like nothing's going to happen. You can't expect anything to happen. And I just think like artists are just so infatuated with like the. I need to get on all these editorial playlists on day one. I need to get yep. a bunch of people talking about the song day one. And if they don't, the song wasn't good enough. I got to write a different one or I got to go back to the studio and re-record something else. But there are still songs that do take off post-release. And, sure. you know, again, if your posts are only getting 200 views or whatever, if you post 30 times like every day in a month, 
what, what's the math on that? That's like 6,000 views that you did not have. You know what I mean? Versus yeah. not posting about it because you're discouraged. You got zero views. It's either zero or 6,000 over a month. Which right. would you prefer? Right. And you hit it on the head earlier. You said you just, you got to do the work. You know, there's the old uh, adage, yeah. uh, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. You sort of mm -hmm. make your own breaks by continually working. And it's sort of an always on music industry, you know, out of sight, out of mind sometimes. And I'm not saying you have to release a song every day, but having a plan surrounding what you're releasing, having video assets and banner sets and targeted online ads. And as you talked about, you know, organic marketing and paid ads and just having a plan together using sort of your release planner. Um, I Again, it's a different plan for each uh, genre mood, but uh, having that plan is going to be, uh, uh, it will put you ahead of most people. Bef before we wrap up, I wanted to make sure um, you told our audience a bit about simple, about sort of, you know, what you do and also some of your work to help, you know, educate some DIY artists with, uh, you know, some of the writings that you do. Yeah, 100%. So Simple is both a marketing, music marketing agency, as well as just an online like hub of like just my thoughts scattered. Well, not scattered. It's actually pretty organized in the website, but <laughs> basically anything and everything that I'm thinking, whether it's opinion based, data based, I put into a blog post. And also I create short form content on TikTok, uh, explaining those blog posts. And obviously the blog posts, I go a little bit in deeper because it's easier to put my thoughts into writing versus speaking, working on that. And um, yeah, so, you know, if you, you know, I just wrote a blog post about like 10 different ways to promote a music video, music videos, dead, whatever, I get it. But there's yeah. still, you know, if you create one, there's still things that you should be doing. Like most people don't, for example, most people don't leverage the fact that you can do a YouTube instant premiere or like schedule the premiere live chat with your fans. Like even if like two people show up, make a huge impact on those two people talk to them you know while the video is premiering like that yeah. goes a long way i've seen it firsthand with my own music just you know a lot of my and i don't recommend doing this if you are very privacy focused right i have mm -hmm. kids now so i kind of understand and i regret doing this but i used to add every single fan so my friends list on facebook is like composed of like my fans from my old band and i still talk to them like they're like online buddies of mine um but obviously again like I have kids now so like it's yeah i don't know them and there's all scary stuff on the news or whatever don't watch them sure. if you don't want to be scared but right. um yeah so that that's where you can find me oddly simple.xyz and uh do i have like five minutes just to go over that like one hack to like streamline content yeah. creation that i'm gonna be really sure soon? cool sure so i've kept the secret strapped to my chest for a long time but a hip-hop artist as a recent called Lil Russell tweeted about it so I feel comfortable sharing it now and people won't get mad but I like to call it the three location strategy and essentially what you're going to be doing whether you're an instrumental artist whether you're a singer-songwriter whatever you're going to find three locations parking lot my backyard my mom's house go to those locations bring a tripod download CapCut so you can import your song so you can record while playing your song at the same time and lip sync to your song or perform your song. Just do a one take. Doesn't matter if it sounds horrible, you're going to dub it with the audio anyway. Take those three one takes that you did, come back home, edit them, take the verse, the chorus, the bridge, whatever, slap the lyrics on them. Or if it's instrumental, just define those parts of the song and export them as 15, 30 second clips. And then 
I'm going to include a bunch of hooks for artists to use for free. It's going to be called like the hook library for artists and just cycle through them. You know, some hooks are, if you've ever felt like whatever, sad, the song is for you. And then it's just the intro. And then the next day you can do the same thing with the verse, the chorus, et cetera. No one's going to care if you're posting the same thing. And by doing the three location strategy, that's going to give you at least 12 different content ideas for that week. You can rinse and repeat it week over week to always be pumping out content in a low effort way. Nice. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Anthony, continued success. Um, We'll check in with you a bit later, but we appreciate you coming on and talking shop with us. No, yeah, of course. Always a pleasure to talk to you guys, whether it's on the podcast or through email. I really enjoy what you guys do. Right. Thank you so much, Anthony. Thanks, Anthony. Have a great day. We'll talk soon. Um, some great advice there from Anthony. Um, you know, it's 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 definitely important to put together a kind of a pre-release strategy leading up to the release. But it's as equally important to have a post-release strategy of what you're going to do after it's been released. And nobody talks about that much, you know? No, no, nobody does because again, I think so many people have gotten conditioned that if after the first week of release you didn't explode, it's dead. Nobody cares. Yeah. You know, it didn't go viral or whatever. And it's like that's not that shouldn't be your indicators of when to quote pull the plug on a release right you know pull the plug on a release after you've tried to market every single track and it still didn't go anywhere yeah but you know how how many stories from you know back in especially in the 70s when you know radio was serviced 45 rpm singles the primary track was side a yeah and they usually put throwaway tune as side b Mm -hmm. but there are some of these artists where it's all of a sudden no the dj didn't like side a they flipped Flipped it it. over played side b and people blew up Mm -hmm. they loved it so again you have to you have to be able to listen to what people are saying and doing watch what they're doing you can't force them to like a track you can hope they like it but it's music it's all personal and sometimes it's for whatever reason it's just not going to connect and you 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 can throw all the money you want and you can't make a song connect if it's just not going to work but there's a song and and i won't mention the client but i've got a client i've been working with that just recently released an album and i was like you know, week one of the Spotify release, I'm like, okay, here's the first three singles. Yeah, the first three singles, tons of plays, tons of streams. Expected. We marketed the crap out of those first three. Here's two other tracks in this first week. We've never we've never done anything. And, you know, they're getting great numbers. They're getting great numbers. What's that telling you? As... As an artist, as a marketing person, what does that tell you? That gives you a clue of where to look, where to go, what to follow. Yeah. 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 I love what you talked about. You you listen, you know, look at those comments on YouTube and on your socials and listen to what your fans are telling you. They'll, they'll tell you. 
yeah, don't don't get all wrapped up in I only want to read the comments that are attacking me or that are praising me. You, you know, those are fine. You should still understand those. But I think too many artists are also like, oh, I only want to read the comments of the people who are like, this is the greatest song in the world, greatest artist, greatest album, whatever makes them feel good. And that's yeah. fine. But you we, also need to you also need to look at the comments from the other fans absolutely. who are going yeah wow did anybody else listen to this track boy did it make me cry yeah we what? have a term it invoked emotion we have a term for uh when you only want to hear the good stuff it's called breathing your own exhaust you know yeah. it's like you're living in a bubble you know you need yeah to you're 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 listening to your own hype yeah and you know yeah well, you've got to go out and hype but don't believe your own hype understand that's what you're doing is you're hyping let fans let the listeners give you those clues but you got to look for them gotta that listen. means you got to you got to take that time and go all right within that first week of release i got to spend some time in spotify for artists i got to look at what's going on looking 6 weeks later you just lost six, a 6 week window of potential opportunities cuz you weren't paying attention yeah good stuff um, all right. So once again, quick shout out. Thank you so much to Bruce and everybody at HypeBot and Bands in Town. We so appreciate everything you do to support the Music Biz Weekly podcast week in and week out. It means so much to us. And of course, to our sponsors, Bandzoogle.com and DiscMakers.com. Um, if you've got a product or a service, even a release that you feel like we would be beneficial to help you market it. Reach out to Jay or myself. We'd happy to be talking to you about sponsorship opportunities. Absolutely. Um, that's it, everybody. The Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We're out of here. See you next week. Industry professionals listen to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. If you have a product or service and would like to reach this audience, get in touch with Michael or Jay to discuss sponsorship this opportunities. For Music Biz Weekly, provided by LarryDavisVoice.com and by jessicamarsvoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.